This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And this week we have a fantastic special guest for everyone listening. I would probably bet my meager life savings that everyone that listens to facts that she said is familiar with the name andy herman the pod father the founder owner of the pack a day podcast andy thanks so much for joining us hey thanks very much for having me always love chatting packers with you guys you guys are the absolute best and yeah glad to be here yay thank you for joining andy is now officially covering the Packers uh, 24-7, so he gets to go to not just all the games, but all the practices on the sidelines, which is amazing. Um, so we're going to have you on to recap a little Pats, but more so, I think, look ahead to Seattle, because um, we have our last preseason game before real football. It feels weird to say, right? Like, it, one preseason game left tomorrow, or it's like the last training camp practice. Like, it just, everything goes by so freaking fast. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, especially now that there's only three preseason games instead of four. Like, it almost felt too long before, but now that there's only the three games, it feels like everything is so much more condensed. And I know that, you know, they always say that to players, preseason games don't matter as much as, like, the the practice you put in every single day. But for the fans observing, if you're not in training camp in Green Bay, those three preseason games don't always feel like enough of a glimpse at, you know, who some of these fringe roster players really are. No, for sure. Especially when one gets basically canceled in the fourth quarter. Right. And then you, you have one less preseason game and um, you know, you also have that like sort of that full week off and then you have the Thursday. Like, so you've got like two weeks between, you know, your last preseason game and the, the regular season game. So um, the first regular season game that is, so it, there's definitely that gap there, but with 53 man roster cut downs and everything else, it'll all go by just insanely fast. Yeah, so we are recording this on August 22nd. It is a Tuesday, one week from today. We will know who has made the initial 53-man roster. And, you know, the caveat here when we do our roster prediction is always that it is subject to change. Sometimes the Packers claim someone on waivers or, you know, you have to keep players like Eric Stokes in mind where they're not going to make the initial roster, but they'll be added in. So their roster is pretty fluid throughout the season. But at least that initial roster will know who the 2023 Green Bay Packers are. Next Tuesday already, it went really fast. That is really fast. And obviously like not only the 53, right. But like anyone that gets added through the season is like almost always gets added from the practice squad now. Right. So it's not always, sometimes you're going to claim a player off of waivers, pick up a player from the practice, you know, another team's practice squad here, there, but for the most part, like that initial 69, well, plus 70 because of Otomegwu, like that's going to be like the primary, like 98% of your roster this season and probably like 99% of the playing time. 
does he automatically get a spot? Yes and no. He they, they get an exemption for him on the practice squad for a 17th spot that can only be taken by him. So in that regards, yes. However, they do have to pay him a salary that does come out of the salary cap. It's like 120000 or whatever, um, at, at least as far as I'm aware. And so if they didn't want to do that, uh, then they if they just thought there was no benefit to it whatsoever, then they could theoretically release him and not have to pay that. So it's not like a, a million percent guarantee, but I would be willing to bet he probably makes it. Having another guy that can just practice and be part of your scout team and everything like that has an added value. And for like $100,000, it's probably more than worth it. So basically, yes. Fun facts. I did not know that. This was not not a planned topic, but that's actually really fun to know. <laughs> All right, so before we talk about some of these like what fringe roster players, what can we start off with? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a really cool program, and it's cool to see him, somebody that like didn't even play football, getting the opportunity to come and take some actual NFL snaps. And you know, he talked about how his mom got to watch the game against the Bengals on YouTube and see some of his first snaps. It was really cool. Um, but before we dive into like some of the fringe roster players, maybe. Um, that we'll be keeping an eye on in the the final preseason game against Seattle. Um, Andy, let's go with you first, since you're the guest of honor here. If you could pick one standout player of the game from the Patriots preseason game, who would it be? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd have to start with J.J. Kingsley and Igbari, right? Like, just the the entire package that he put together on that day. Not only, the obviously, the sack where he had the bull rush where he, you know, drove the offensive tackle right back into the quarterback and then made the sack. Like, if, if that was his only play of the day, it's impressive enough, right? Like, that's noteworthy enough. But then he also had a great play on a jet sweep to keep everything contained, and then they were able to get a basically a tackle right at the line of scrimmage based off of his play on that. And then, you know, just caps it all off with uh, pressure, sack, force fumble, fumble recovery, just beautiful play all together, which is exactly what you want to see from any edge rusher. I thought he had a great week of practice overall against the Patriots, had another nice day today. Like, if you want to talk about a player making a second-year jump, those are the sort of things that you want to see. It was interesting, as he came into the league last year, you can see, well, you're just used to seeing number 55, Zedaria Smith at that point, right? And just like this bulky, massive human being. And then Enigbari comes in at the same position and you're like, that guy looks like half the size of Zedaria <laughs> Smith at edge rush. You're like, man, but like you immediately notice both on the tape and on the field, like he had a great repertoire of pass rush moves. He was well advanced, you know, for, for you know, being a rookie as to like what he could throw at offensive tackles but he just needed some functional strength. Right. And the whole thing was like, man, if this dude puts on functional strength, like look the heck out because he knows how to play the game. He obviously had great experience in college. The tape was great in college, just needed to put a little bit of extra weight on in a good way. It seems like he's done a little bit of that, but his, his game has even progressed. And I think it showed out and just exactly what he's capable of in that Patriots game. So obviously doing the regular season is a, a second step to that, but I thought it was a really impressive game from him overall. Do you think his position along the depth chart will help him out though during the regular season? I just feel like, cause he's not going to need to be the guy they're going to, he's going to be able to get kind of more like favorable matchups. And I feel like he could still be pretty productive, especially yeah. with Rashawn back. 
Yeah. So a few things, or a couple things here that I'll say that I think really benefits Enigbari. First is I agree with you, but I think it's for all of them. I don't want to see uh, Preston Smith playing 60 snaps anymore. I don't right now coming off an ACL. I don't want to see Rashawn Gary playing 60 snaps. Lucas Van Ness, first round pick, ton of talent. He's not ready for 60 snaps. Enigbari with, you know, just kind of the, the body type that he has and the type of edge rusher he has. I don't see him playing 60 snaps. Certainly not Justin Hollins either. But when you have a depth chart like that, maybe even Brenton Cox involved in there as well, um, you you have the ability to play those guys 30, 40 snaps each and keep all of those guys fresh. And that's what I'm most excited about. And I think that not only benefits Enigbari, but Van Ness and Gary and Preston and all those guys that you can rotate those guys in in waves and really just keep coming at them. I think the other thing that's really great for Enigbari is you could legitimately have Rashawn Gary going like if you're an offensive tackle, right? You're, you're a left tackle in the league. You've got Rashawn Gary bull rushing you and Rashawn Gary bull rushing you and Rashawn Gary bull rushing you. And then it's like, okay, now Lucas Van Ness comes in. It's like, all right, Lucas Van Ness is, you know, power, you know, you know, power to speed, speed of power, whatever, like coming right at me. And then all of a sudden, like they throw Enigbari against you and it's like, you're expecting, you know, a power rusher. And he, Preston obviously plays with power too, although he's more of a, a little bit more of a technique rusher, but all of a sudden you, you've got those guys, power, power, power. And Enigbari comes in and he's just going to throw the kitchen sink at you and throw a spin move. And, a, you know, he'll do an, uh, as we saw, it has the ability to bull rush you as well, but then he can get around the edge. Like it's just a, a different type, a different flavor of edge rusher than they have. And I think when you start getting in like a specific stance as an offensive tackle and knowing what to expect, just that curveball is, I think, you know, super advantageous. And I think that is something that's going to be uh, advantageous, obviously, for, for Enigbari. Yeah, I think it's fun, too, to talk about the edge rush unit. And notable that Rashawn Gary took his first 11-on-11 snaps today in practice, so slowly working his way back. Likely, you know, you'll, we'll see him week one, but it's like you said, you don't want him to come out there and have to be um, the guy, period. Who's your player? I know we talked a little bit pre-show that it was going to be an Igbari. So do you have a, a backup to pick? Yeah. And well, it's hard not to choose him because I think of all the players he certainly had like oh yeah, the flashiest day, right? Like very memorable and just very impactful. So I think he has to be kind of one. Um, there's a few guys that stand out, like a number of them mostly on offense. Um, I didn't think it was like the most – like it was like a pretty status quo day, I think, from the defense. But um, I guess I'll go with Musgrave just because he continues to impress me. Um, not just from like his pass catch ability. I mean, he's on the field like 100% of stabs with Jordan Love. You know, he's just going to be tight end one. Um, just his big body. Like Jordan can put it in a place where it's not going to harm them, but it's just in a place where like Luke Musgrave with his six, six frame can go and get it kind of like a no harm, no foul throw. And I think that's really useful, but mostly, and Andy's going to smile because I talked about some pack a day this weekend, but like he was going up and blocking against like defensive ends in this game. So he not just like has the catch ability, but is also like getting in there and not like comparatively, like kind of like Mercedes Lewis, like they used to put Lewis on, on big defensive ends and he can handle it. Like it's to be seen if Musgrave can do that, like in a real NFL game, but he certainly has the size. So I'm just like really excited about what he brings. Yeah. I had said pre-show that I wanted to talk about Romeo Dobbs because when don't I want to talk about him? Um, I think a, a little asterisk here goes for Jordan Love, who was able to successfully move the ball against a Bill Belichick defense, but I think the player that really should get the nod here is Rashid Walker kind of had an underrated rookie season battling injury 
And then he comes out and looks like a viable tackle option for the Packers and has been taking starting left tackle reps with the starting line with David Bakhtiari out in practice. So it's it's kind of funny because we don't see a ton of depth, I guess, for the, the interior O-line positions. And Andy, I want your perspective on this too as somebody that's been there. But to have Yash Nyman, Zach Tom, who's been getting a ton of looks at right tackle, and now have Rashid Walker. Tackle really feels like it's kind of an abundance of riches at that depth spot behind David Bakhtiari. Yeah, I think going back to Rashid for a second, just his performance, right? Like, think about the, the game plan going into this game, right? Because clearly you want to get the offense and Jordan Love functioning and on the same page and, like, everything. But more importantly, if you are going to play Jordan – job number one is to make sure he doesn't get hurt. Like that is the, like the biggest thing that comes like that can come out of that game is to make sure he gets out of there healthy. Of course you put his blind side in Rashid Walker's hands with Yash Nyman, who has played starting snaps for the last couple of years on the bench. Right. And that's not a, a dig at Yash. That's like the entire game plan is make sure Jordan gets out of here healthy the most important piece of that is the blind side and they trusted Rashid Walker with it. That's, that's more than just like, Oh, let's throw him out there and see if he can sink or swim. That is ultimate trust in that sort of situation. Cause it's one thing if like you think maybe he's going to be the best guy in a regular season game and you have to just like put him out there and hope for the best. This is like, you had other options, right? They, they could have gone in different directions. If they wanted to like a million percent, make sure that things were okay. They could have put Yash out there. They could have kicked Elton to left tackle. They could have done a variety of things, but they trusted Rashid and he responded in a massive way. He was my highest graded player on offense in that game. Obviously he played into the second half as well, but um, just what an impressive performance going back to the, the, to a year ago, he didn't get to play until the final preseason game. And there was a lot of questions going in, especially with the way that Caleb Jones had played in that preseason of like, is, is, you know, Walker even going to make the team? Is, is he going to have enough practice time to even get his name in the conversation? He plays in one preseason game. He was awesome in that preseason game. Then, of course, we go a year without seeing him again, basically, because he didn't play in the regular season. And then the question was going to be like, all right, is this, is this guy going to be any good? Or was just that one preseason game kind of fluky? And the two preseason games already, he was, uh, you know, played extremely well week one in preseason and now backed it up this week. I, I thought it was a really, really fun performance. And going back really quick to the interior offensive line depth, obviously Jake Hansen uh, released with an injury designation, you know, on Tuesday. So that's, you know, another piece gone. But to me, you know, you obviously have three guys in, in um, John Running Jr. and then Josh Myers and, and, and uh, Elton Jenkins, who are likely going to be your starters on the interior. You also have Zach Tom, who in any sort of danger in large part due to the fact that we just talked about having Rashid Walker and Yash Nyman as backups at the tackle spot. If there's an injury, Zach Tom's going in at one of those three positions and then they'll kick either Walker or Nyman to right tackle the start, assuming Bakhtiari is good to go. And then Sean Ryan has had a much, much better camp than he had at any point a season ago. He obviously was a really rough year for him, his rookie season. Kudos to him for, you know, re, you know, you know, just kind of, you know, getting him you know, himself back on, on the right page and uh, reinvigorating himself because he, he's looked so much better. He was, he had a really high grade for me this week. I know he had a couple rough pass protection plays last week, but the rest of his game was really good. So I think you have probably him as kind of like the next guy that probably the number five guy on the interior too. So it's not, you know, as much as you would probably like, but it's not barren either. And this is a, this is an issue all across the NFL right now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I think that does it for the Patriots game. Like you said, kind of wrapped up a little bit early. Thankfully, the Patriots player ended up being okay. I know that was a scary scene for a while for everybody that was there. But looking ahead Saturday, the Packers will play the Seahawks in their final preseason game. That's a noon central time kickoff. Who are maybe some, even if they're not fringe players to you, some players like I really want to talk about the safety unit, get your prediction for the guys that will make that, you know, position group or just any players that you can, you're going to have a special eye on, I guess, on Saturday. Yeah, for for safety, I'm going to take this hat off and I'm going to put all six names into a, this hat. <laughs> randomly pick them out and that's going to be my 53-man roster projection. Uh, you know, whoever, whatever four or five guys get pulled out of that hat because it might as well be at this point. You know, I clearly when when Savage is only playing three or four snaps with the starters and then gets taken out, they, they clearly view him as a starter and somebody that doesn't need a ton of more playing time. So I think it's, it's been fairly obvious. He's been with the ones they've rotated everyone else. He's been with the ones every day. So I think it's going to be Savage as your, your number one safety after that. I mean, I, I thought Jonathan Owens has really struggled the last couple of weeks. You know, Rudy Ford has looked fine, but you sort of know what you have in Rudy Ford. It, it is what it is. It's fine. It's never going to be great. He gives a lot of good effort. They'll make a play here and there, but we'll take a poor angle here and there too. Tavarius Moore, we found out. Thankfully, it's not going to be anything serious. That injury looked pretty bad uh, if you go back and watch it, but it sounds like he's just day-to-day, which is a positive update for him. Anthony Johnson Jr., not quite ready. Dallin Levitt probably makes the team by default, but more of a special teams guy than a, certainly a safety at this point. So, yeah, I, I don't know where they sort you know they end up going as far as the starter opposite Darnell Savage, but I think that's still very much in play. And I, I'm I know I think Justice wrote about it uh, on Monday or, or Tuesday as well. I've said it on the podcast like that that spot for Ford and Moore and you know uh, and Owens and and those guys Levitt like you could easily be a starter based on your play or you could not make the 53 based on your play. And like the, the margin is razor thin. So I think that's going to be a huge, huge uh, battle that goes right down to the wire and will go probably right till next Tuesday when they make that decision. I really feel like green Bay kind of messed up by not bringing Adrian Amos back, especially looking at the contract that he signed with the jets. Like I feel like they probably would have had to pay him more just because he's been on the team and not a free agent, but like, Man, I mean, do you really think Amos is a worse option than what they have right now? Like, I don't. Um, that I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. But I, the other thing I'll say is I'm also kind of leaning, and you can react to this as well, to just, like, maybe putting Anthony Johnson Jr. out there and just, like, getting the young guy reps. Because, like, at this point, the rest of the guys, you know exactly who they are. And if they're going to – maybe they play a game or two or three and things aren't working well. Like, at that point, I think, why not just throw him out there? I think that'll come with time, right? I think you certainly want to give your your you know your best option to win right away and, and, and go with the guys that you have. And if that ends up being Tavares Moore, Rudy Ford, whomever, you know, th- then so be it, Jonathan Owens, et cetera. 
Um, but I do think there comes a point depending on where the safety play is at and depending on where the season is going, where at some point if things aren't going great, whether it's at safety or the season or both, where it's just like, all right, get the young guys in and see what they can do because it's there's no downside at this point. I think the crazy thing at safety is usually it's one or the other where you're like, we don't really have anyone that's like a starting caliber player right now, but we've got a lot of developmental guys that we're excited about. We just need to see who's going to rise to the top, basically like wide receiver right now, right? In a way. Um, or it's that like, hey, we got a bunch of win now guys, but we're really lacking in developmental players and we need to figure out that long term. But right now we've got guys that can help us win right now. And they're in complete no man's land. They don't have yeah, they have one of that. They have no developmental. I mean, obviously they have Anthony Johnson Jr., but he's literally the only safety that's under contract going into next year. And he's a seventh round pick where you just you don't know anything, you know, of what you're ultimately gonna get from him in long term in any capacity, right? So it's it is a as barren as it gets position. If there is a position that you you are you know can kind of be barren at from time to time, it's kind of safety. I mean, I'll, when I grade plays, like there will be sometimes like a stretch of like 10, 15 plays where like the safety doesn't even get involved. Like it literally could have been like they have no safeties and you wouldn't have even known the difference. So like in a lot of plays, it doesn't matter. But then there'll be the play, of course, where it matters a lot. And then you notice it very, very quickly. And that's where Amos was so good in his first few years, you know, with Green Bay. Um, where he was just so steady, right? You knew exactly where he was going to be. He always made the consistent play. He lacked the playmaking. He always has. That was an issue in Chicago. It was an issue in Green Bay. But you knew exactly where you're going to get and very rarely made mistakes. I understand why they didn't bring him back because he looked, I mean, at least a step and a half slower last year than he did at any other stage of his career. And if you're going to have a older veteran safety that you have some question marks on, I'd rather pay less and just do the, 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 you know, Dollar Tree version of it and Tavarius Moore rooting forward. But there's, there's not a great answer at this point. How'd they mess this up so badly? I mean, the, here's the good news, right? So they're, they're clearly a team that has been in somewhat of a transition. We can call it whatever adjective people want to call it, but somewhat of a transition. And they're going with a ton of young players. I mean, they don't have a receiver over a second year player, right? Like, they're, they're top, they're like all of their receivers and tight ends combined have like more as many like career snaps as like a normal starting wide receiver in the league. Like it is a very young team. The, the really great news is that at a lot of these other positions, like the players are coming along very nicely. Jordan Love is, I think, where, you know, at or beyond where we would have expected him to be. You know, I think the, the wide receivers clearly, Luke Musgrave at tight end. You know, I think you look at some of these young offensive linemen. We just talked about Rasheed Walker, Carl Brooks, Colby Wooden, Luke Van Ness, you know, Quay Walker. We'll see what he becomes. Devontae Wyatt. There, but there's so many young players that are achieving and, and getting to that point right now. I think there could have been a lot more positions that looked exactly like this if Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs don't hit or whatever, or Jaden Reed doesn't hit those sort of things. If Luke Musgrave looks like every other tight end they've drafted over the last decade, like these things all look very barren, but I think they got a lot of the other ones, right. It just so happens that safety, they couldn't put as much time and effort into because they spent a lot of those draft picks on other really good players at other positions. And it just ended up being sort of getting the, the short end of the stick, but sometimes mm -hmm. it just happens. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's all perspective, right? Like we look at the entire defense and there's a premier player at every position. And to the Packers credit, they thought Darnell Savage would be the premier player at safety. They invested a first round pick in him. And sometimes, you know, 
that just doesn't pan out the way that you want it to. I think what stings <clears throat> as Packers fans, and again, it's obviously easier to hindsight's 2020 is to look and see like how loaded the top of the safety class last season was knowing that this safety class wasn't as good. But then again, if you take a player like Jalen Petrie or Jaquan Brisker, you're probably not ending up with a player like Christian Watson, who now is wide receiver one for a young franchise quarterback that needs that. So there always is a bargain, right? And unfortunately for the Packers, or maybe fortunately, depending on your perspective, the bargain this year is at the safety position. And yeah. you could have taken Lewisine and not mm-hmm. have Christian Watson and you don't have Brisker, you don't have Petrie and you end up with, and like maybe Lewisine ends up playing well this year, obviously had the, the big injury last year, but I know he struggled a little bit in camp so far in Minnesota and now you don't have Christian Watson and you've got a safety that's not doing you any better either. So like you got to take best player available. You've got to give your, you know, yourself the best opportunity. Obviously they're low on funds. There's only so many draft picks to go around. You don't want to take a safety just to check it off and be like, Hey, we got one. And I mean, they basically, they finally did that with Anthony Johnson Jr., who I thought was a really good value at where they got him. But, you know, th- this isn't an expectation of like, hey, we got to get we have to check every box right now because we need to win right now. I, I think you look at next year already. And obviously we want to really we're really excited about how this year could potentially play out just in general. But like you look at next year that there's not a ton of spots like running back could potentially be a spot, but you can find running backs, right? You could need some offensive line, you know, like to, to potentially John running juniors, a free agent. We don't know what Josh Myers is, is going to be quite yet. Bakhtiari could be gone. So like offensive line you're looking at and safety really kind of your two positions that you might only need really next year. And you can kind of go aggressively in the draft next year. And Oh, by the way, 65% chance or more <laughs> of potentially having round picks to attack some of those positions pretty aggressively yeah. um, again with offensive line and with safety. So long way away, but I think they're in a good position to address that next year. Yeah. But a good GM is thinking about next season already right now. Yeah, so yeah. Um, it's interesting. Cause I think also of all the positions we just listed, I would say safety is probably like lowest in value. So like they targeted where they needed to target for like their highest amount of value. And at the end of the day, Andy said it, you know what I mean? If, if Christian Watson ends up becoming, you know, what we think he can become and the safety position just happens to be like a little bit weak this season, I think this team can still win games um, like pretty easily. The other thing I'll say too, for this team is outside of safety, like usually almost every position group has that for lack of a better term, Royce Newman, like (laughs) this is a team where, and I know it's not going to be perfect and there's going to be growing pains, but like, Quarterback, Jordan Love, that's pretty fun. Running back, you've got Jones and Dylan, that's pretty fun. Wide receiver, Watson, Dobbs, Toure, Dontavian Wicks, Samari Toure, that's, they're all really fun. Musgrave and Tucker Craft, fun, fun. Like offensive line, you've got Bakhtiari coming back, Elton Jenkins. Like we'll see what happens with Myers, but Zach Tom, we're excited about. John Running Jr., still really good. The, the, the entire defensive line, all six of them have been incredibly fun. The yeah. entire group of six edge rushers have been really fun. Campbell and Quay look good together again when Campbell's been back. The cornerback group, Carrington Valentine, fun. And we, again, we don't know what it's going to amount to, but like Stokes is going to come back. Nixon in the slot. You know, like fun, fun, fun. Like the only things that you don't have like ans- like fun answers to. I'm not saying again they're not all going to work out, but at least there's like some hope and some potential. The only ones safety and right now kicker, of course, is a little bit of an issue as well. But like o- outside of that, it's it's it, at least exciting and there's there's reason for hope at almost every other position. Like and again, right now kicker and, and safety, the only ones that you can say like, all right, we're going to have to get through this. And, and maybe Anders responds too. He, he clearly has upside there, but you'll get through it for a year. And then, like I said, next year, I think they're going to be in a position to really address it. Yeah. 
youth will youth will give you that fun optimism. I think. Um, I almost gave Anders my as a joke my uh, game ball for the Pats for making that fifty two yarder because that's, that's no that's joke at Lambeau. That's no right? joke. Three for three on the day. We will take that right now. Yeah. Although I think he didn't have a great day today. Uh, Two for six. I, yeah. Um, there's a couple other positions though that I feel like there are some like serious battles still left to have. Um, honestly, the final wide receiver position is actually going to be really exciting. I think I made fun of you, Andy, like maybe a month or so ago about like why are we talking about wide receiver six? Like no one cares about wide receiver six. Now all of a sudden. Yeah, I want to talk about it because they actually have some really fun options who've had great camps. Um, I think it would be kind of sad to see any of these guys like get cut outright. And I know that um, fans over worry about other people picking up, you know, your fringe roster players, but between like a Malik Heath or even a Grant Dubose who've had like really nice showings, like, is that a worry? And also, who do you feel like makes the roster? Who's proven it? Seven yeah. wide receivers. Is that an option? I was going to say, is that an option with the yeah, lack of tight ends? Look, see, we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. So I think the first thing to to point out is they kept seven on their initial fifty three last year. So it sounds crazy. It sounds bizarre. It sounds weird. But they literally went with seven to go to to start the season last year. I I care almost nothing about the numbers that you have at each position. Keep the guy, especially on a team that's young and talented and exciting. And you're not the, the gun's not to your head to try to win a Super Bowl this year. Like just keep the guys that you do not want to lose and figure out the rest with practice squad call-ups as you need to. And I think Goot can get very creative with this if he wants to, but the worst thing that can happen on cut down day. And I know I, I'll be the first to tell you there's going to be like 10 to 12 guys in the entirety of the league that get claimed by another team. All right. However, there are situations too, where maybe you release, a, let's say you release a grant Dubose, right. And even if he does not get claimed, he could look at the green Bay roster and be like, all right, Christian Watson's not going anywhere. Dobbs isn't going anywhere. Reed's not going anywhere. Wicks isn't going anywhere. Heat's not going anywhere. Like none of these guys are going anywhere. And I could look at a team elsewhere and be like, man, their wide receiver court sucks and they're old. Like I'm going to go there and I'll, I'll go to their practice squad. Know that I'm going to be the first guy called up. And like next year I might be wide receiver three by default. Cause all these guys are going to be veterans somewhere else. So the worst thing that can happen is that you have a talented player on your roster and you give up on him and he goes at this, especially at this stage of the Packers where they're at in their growing phase right now is he, you release him, he gets either claimed or he goes to another team's practice squad. And, you know, he ends up, you know, going and having a really great career in the league for another team. So that's one of the worst things that could happen right now. So if you have a talented player and to me, Grant Dubose and Malik Heath, both are very much qualified in that talented player conversation. I don't want to lose those guys. And it, cause I, I don't know their ceiling yet. And I don't think green Bay does either. I've seen some really positive stuff. Are they ready to go out and play 50 snaps this week? No, neither of them are. Keith maybe could play a, a decent role based on where he's at, but like, I, I don't want to let that out the door and develop somewhere else. I want to make sure that I know a million percent what I have before I release them and let somebody else sort of capitalize on the work that I put in and the draft that I you know got in all of it. Right. So 
if I'm deciding between, again, I don't, that's why I don't care about numbers. If I need to go with two running backs, if I need to look at like long-term, all right, what's going to be like a, a better play long-term? Is it Emmanuel Wilson, Grant Dubose, or Malik Heath? Like give me Dubose and Malik Heath over any of the, the potential running backs. I'm going to get three of those running backs back in the practice squad and can call them up whenever I want to. And that goes for every single other position. Like if I need to release Tavarius Moore and Jonathan Owens and a dime a dozen safety that's on a one-year contract so I can keep one of my young, talented rookie wide receivers or younger players, I'm going to keep my young, talented player and I'm not letting that guy out the door because I know I can churn through Jonathan Owens and Tavarius Moores and Rudy Fords and Emmanuel Wilsons and all those guys as much as I need to. So I'm, I'm all in and all aboard keeping seven wide receivers at this point. By the, here, you want to know a really lame, like you want to know how weird my mind works? Yes. I think you could release both punters and both long snappers and you could get both of them back on the practice squad. I could call up a punter for, I could call up Pat O'Donnell for three weeks, call up Daniel Whelan for three weeks. I could call up Broughton Hatcher for three weeks as a long snapper. I could call up Matt Orzik for three weeks as a long snapper. Like I, like you could legitimately get super creative and like if Pat O'Donnell gets claimed, all right, well, Daniel Whelan's our punter. No big deal. No loss, no harm, no foul. He's on a one-year deal and he's 32 years old. He's not part of your future anyway. Like if you wanted to get super creative and really make sure that you're keeping the guys that you actually want on the team, you could get super creative and make sure you get the guys that you want on your team. No arguments here. I think that's uh, what <laughs> one of the position groups I did want to ask you about too, because it is, it is pretty crowded. You know, it, it seems like some of these position battles are kind of sorting themselves out. You mentioned Justin Hollins coming back as kind of that edge five. I was really happy when the Packers re-signed him initially before the draft, um, inside linebacker, I think is really interesting, right? You've got Tariq Carpenter who had the position switch. You've got Isaiah McDuffie, who's a core special teamer. What does that unit kind of look like? Eric Wilson, who they brought back in free agency. Are there any like young players that you think are, you know, sneaking their way onto the roster? Or is it going to be kind of a core established unit? Well, I mean, obviously, so you've got Quay and Campbell as your starters. I think McDuffie is going to be your primary backup and obviously like a core special teamer as well. So I think he's safe as inside linebacker three, especially with Campbell being a bit banged up. And, you know, McDuffie's been the the, the starter with, uh, sorry, yeah, with Campbell beat up. McDuffie's been the starter in his place. So I think those three are, are pretty set. And then at number four, then things start getting interesting. And you've got Eric Wilson and you've got Tariq Carpenter as like the next guy. So a, a couple things here. I think the the group of specialists, so Dallin Levitt, Eric Wilson, uh, Ballantyne at corner, like you've got a, a few of those type of guys that are like just basically just specialists. And they're good. And Tariq Carpenter, actually, same thing, right? So Tariq Carpenter is not ready to play linebacker, like at all. Like it, he barely got in until the fourth quarter. Um, and then it did not look pretty. And he's, I think he's kind of said, I don't think he really likes playing linebacker either. So I think you've got sort of a bizarro situation there where you've got, I think a guy who doesn't really want to be at that position and he doesn't look natural playing that position. And he's kind of just a core special teamer at this point, but he's younger seventh round pick. He's got talent. He's awesome on special teams last year, but you've got Levitt as a core special teamer is Ballantyne in that conversation. Eric Wilson's just a special teamer. So you've got to kind of weigh out like just how much does Rich Basashi get of like just guys who are going to be special teamers. Right. So I think that's the first question. I do think Eric Wilson of all of those guys I just mentioned, like if you needed in a pinch could fill in and be like, okay, like you wouldn't notice it all that much. So I like Wilson, but 
Wilson's also the oldest one. And again, one year deal and, and, you know, just, you know, doesn't bring anything really long-term to the table either. So th- those are the questions that Goot's going to have to go through where like, if you, if you told me on cut down day, they went youth and that like you saw a purging of the Eric Wilson's, the Corey Ballantyne's, the Dallin Levitt's, the Jonathan Owens, and they just went young could totally see a world in which that happens because you're trying to develop for the next window. Right. If you told me that they went with their, the best special teamers of the group and they just like kept Wilson and, you know, Carpenter at inside linebacker and, and Ballantyne at corner and Levitt at safety, I'd be like, well, you know, Rich Basashi has got quite a bit of hold in that room mm-hmm. that, that too. So that th- I think that's where things get really, really complicated because you have that core group of special teamers who like, that's all they do, but they don't help a ton on their actual defense of, you know, the, the unit on defense. Do you think there's any chance that Tariq Carpenter makes the roster as a teamer and gets a look at safety? Or do you think this was like their one shot to keep him? And they said, Hey, the safety room's kind of filled up. We want to try you at linebacker. And it is what it is. If you're unhappy. If I had that same question, by the way, if you move anyone off of safety in one of the ugliest safety rooms in the NFL, you don't think he can be a safety. So like the fact that they moved Ennis Gaines from safety to corner and Tariq Carpenter from safety to linebacker, tells me pretty much all I need to know of like, they didn't have a vision for those guys at safeties, because if so, you just give them every opportunity to stay at safety and see like, we're willing to try anything at this point. Like, and and if Carpenter hasn't gotten back there, I, and I, I think the thing that's um, disappointing with maybe Carpenter too, is like, he should be a, he should be a linebacker. He should be a hybrid safety linebacker playing inside the box. Like that, that's where he should be, you know, similar to what they did with Raven green. But I think Carpenter could even be better at it because he's more physical, but it just, it hasn't stuck. And and maybe part of that is the want to, but I don't know. It's, it's that, that's one that I I've been struggling with of like, you know, Goody keeps his, his rookies on their first contract uh, on, on their first year. Like he keeps them their first year. That second year comes along. Amari Rogers gone second year. Kamal Martin gone second year. Like he is much more willing to jettison guys if they, if he hasn't seen that jump in year two. So like I said, he was really nice on special teams. But if if that's all he is, like you have to start looking of like, do we want? Is it worth it long term to give him a fifty three spot? I always feel like when they move you from your original position, and if you don't excel, that's like you're on your way out. It just feels like the next step towards the door. So. I hope he can put it together because that would be great and we'd love a good player. But, like, I I see the argument for teams, but you said it, Andy, like, how much does that weigh in when you only have, like, a finite amount of spots? Um, I can't imagine a lot, especially because, look, like, they brought in Rich Passaccia, but it's not like the Packers are all of a sudden becoming, like, the team that cares the most about special teams. Like, they were just average last year, and I think that's where they're fine being. They were They were average – only because they stumbled upon Keyshawn Nixon. Right. Like, and, <laughs> yeah. and they, like Keyshawn Nixon was blocking for Amari Rogers up until that point. Like they, they still allowed block punts missed in blocked field goals and in some key moments, like they, they were still a, a very much a work in progress a season ago. And that's the other thing too, is like, I do want to see, and I, I get like, you can't remake everything from like a three decade old problem on special teams, like overnight, it's going to take some time, but 
if, if they end up with like the 28th special teams again this year, I don't really care. This is not, again, the, the season's not going to come down to that. It's not, this team's not going to lose the Super Bowl because of special teams. It's just not. You want to continue to develop the core of your team and figure that out. And then once you get back to the ability to really compete at the highest of levels, that's when you need to start, you know, really putting the guys on the roster that can play core special teams and give you that puncher's chance to win. They, they figured that out too late. Like when it was, when it's the year they're losing in the divisional round to the 49ers, which we don't want to talk about, but <laughs> you've got Vernon Scott redshirting that entire season on the roster to keep him around who didn't end up playing a single snap on defense or special teams that entire year took up a 53 man roster spot all year only to get cut in training camp the next year, you know, so you, you redshirted where that could have been anyone of a core special team or to actually help that team that lost a divisional round game because of special teams. Like, that that's the sort of timeline stuff that it may not seem like it matters all that much, but it matters a freaking ton. Yeah. That is something I'm, I'm really curious about. And I know like the leashes are different lengths here. That's, you know, the caveat to this, but people talk all the time about like Joe Barry and you know, the, the improvement that you need to see from his units. And this is, you know, the number of pro bowl, all pro caliber talent, first round picks. He should have more production. Rich Passaccia becomes the assistant head coach to Matt LaFleur. Are their expectations different? You know, how long does he have or how long is his leash, I should say, when it comes to the kind of jump that they're hoping to make from a special teams unit? Like, does Keyshawn Nixon kind of band-aid the entire thing now that he had an all-pro season? Or what does that look like? Is he, you know, does his seat get hot at all if it's a really bad unit? Or like you said, does it not matter because the special teams core isn't going to make or break your, your playoff odds this year. I I think a lot depends on what direction they go in. Right. So like if, you know, he's going to have a rookie kicker, which is going to be a roller coaster (laughs) ride and a half. Right. Right. If that's compounded with a first time punter and Daniel Whelan and a first time long snapper and Broughton Hatcher, and they let go of Eric Wilson, you know, and, uh, you know, Rudy Ford, Dallin Levitt, you know, uh, Ballantyne, et cetera, and say, sorry, Rich, we're going with the youth movement and you're going to have to deal with a bunch of super young players on all of your teams, then I'm sure he's going to get a little bit more forgiveness and be like, we know we screwed you over. We're asking you to lift this group of inexperienced players up into core special teamers for the future um, instead of relying upon guys like Rudy Ford and, and, and Dallin Levitt and Eric Wilson, et cetera. So I think a lot of this depends on the roster construction and then just how they go out and play the season. But we pretty much already know it's going to be a rookie kicker. They're going to lose some points probably because of that, probably a game because of that. And, you know, it, it's just kind of part of part of the equation. But how they make the rest of the roster out is going to go a long way in telling us if they have high expectations for the special teams or if they just don't care and are also looking at the future of this team and building the core first. Yeah. And they have Nixon who will probably also cover up some blemishes as he does. And also Jaden Reed, who apparently yep. according to you looks pretty natural back there. So the most that could be really nice. Like yeah. I, it's it's insane. Like it looks like he was born to return punts. Like it like he literally got out of the cradle and is just like, give me a jugs machine. I'm going back <laughs> like 70 yards. Like I'll figure this thing out. Like it is in uncanny. And of course now like it's gonna be week one and he's gonna muff like seven punts and I'm gonna look like an idiot or something. But like it is the most natural thing you have ever seen. It just, it's, it's really fun to watch. 
That's awesome. More uh, similarities between him and Randall Cobb are emerging. <laughs> the natural progression of childhood is crawl, walk, <laughs> like that's just, yeah. That's what Vinny has in store for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is, does Vinny have his first jugs machine yet? <laughs> what do you think that I make doing packs? What she said to be able. To we know afford? we know what's on his Christmas list now for <laughs> yeah. the rest of the family. You guys, we don't need any clothes or any any toys. Just uh, start saving up for the jugs machine. <laughs> Awesome. Andy, any final thoughts, any other players that you have a special eye on going into the final preseason game before roster cutdowns one week, for, well, less than one week from when this episode drops? Uh, one more. I'll, I'll just really quick. I, I really want to see something from Devontae Wyatt. I thought he had a nice practice today, but I also feel like he's been kind of quiet as of late. So this is a player that, you know, we talked about all the, the fun players along the defensive line and really across this team, but I think there needs to be some expectations for him. He was in, you know, kind of an overage rookie coming out. He's 25 years old now. He's in his second season. He has all the talent in the world. He gives great effort. It just needs to, like, there needs to be a pathway to him being a disruptor up front. And I think that, um, you know, he can be a, a really core piece of this defense moving forward if he can put it together. But I want to start seeing that come together. And, you know, it, it, it'll be the same thing like right now where we're willing to give Lucas Van Ness a little bit more forgiveness and like, all right, let's see this, you know, play play along a little bit more. And, and then the next year, the pressure will be on him more. That's where that pressure is right now. Maybe even more so because he is an older player uh, in Wyatt. But I, I want to see a little bit of a step from him in this final preseason game and heading into the regular season. Because I, I do think he has the talent to be a disruptor and I want to see him be a disruptor because I, I think that, that that ceiling is there for him. Yeah. Perry, do yeah. you have a, a player you're watching? Not particularly a singular player. I mean, I feel like the third preseason game is definitely interesting. I, I'll be curious to see how much they play their starters, just given like we're getting so close to the season. But I think like most people, like my eye is just on this offense and how it's progressing and gelling together. Um, I think, you know, we talked about it this with Andy a couple days ago, but we've only seen like two, three series from them all together. And it's, it's just so much different when you have to play all four quarters. And I keep thinking about that because I don't even think Jordan loves played a full quarter yet. Right. Like they haven't done right. Was the past just about about. basically, I think it was like the last play, the the quarter that he came out. Yeah. Still it's, it's as the season grows nearer and we think about like how much we need some of these players to really step up like Devontae Wyatt, like he's going to play in this regular season and he's going to have to play well. And I'm, I'm thinking about what does this offense look like ex- extrapolated across four quarters and like full games and the ups and downs and swings of games. Um, we're not going to see it in this preseason per se, but any kind of level of like incremental growth would just feel good going into the regular season. Yeah, I, I think. Oh, go ahead, Andy. I was gonna say two more, really, really quick. I, I, Caleb Jones, I really want to see coming back yes. from injury because I that think was gonna be mine. Yeah, oh, to steal it from <laughs> you. Uh, the other one, I'm, I, it's no disrespect to Corey Ballantyne in any way, shape, or form. I'm sure he's a very nice gentleman. I cannot have Carrington Ballantyne and Corey Ballantyne on the same team anymore. I am ready to be <laughs> Corey Ballantyne, Carrington Ballantyne duo. I am going to flub it a billion freaking times, and one of them has to go, and it can't be Carrington. Carrington, so. Sorry, Corey. It's got to be over. I'm, I'm cheering for your demise over this next week. It, it has to be. <laughs> oh <my God. clears throat> Pax, what she said, took a brutal turn just now. We've never, uh, <clears throat> never had that happen before, but 
Yeah, very not, not like, like a personal demise, just a Packers demise. He can go like go catch on with the the Titans somewhere else for selfish for reasons. Yes, for very selfish reasons, which are very important and near and dear to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like you said, Perry. We're not going to see it in the preseason, but I think what's been so fun about these glimpses on offense is that everything is very vanilla, but we're getting a flavor of who Matt Lafleur kind of is when he gets to scheme up an offense, and he's got all these pieces. We're seeing more speed on offense as an option for the first time. Like as much as we loved guys like Robert Tunyon, and you know, even like Jermichael Finney. Jermichael Finley back in the day Luke Musgrave has speed like we haven't seen at the tight end position and we've just gotten little snippets of that in the preseason but I'm um, really curious to see kind of what his offense comes out and looks like week one but I think that about does it for this uh this episode Andy everybody knows where to find you but let us know you've got some schedule changes maybe pending things coming for the regular season if you want to tease those yeah, I, I've got hopefully some some pretty big announcements coming up for for uh, the Packaday podcast. So uh, that'll of course be announced on Twitter, both at Andy Herman NFL and at Packaday Podcast. Make sure to follow both of those accounts, and of course, uh, you know, subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So yeah. Awesome. You can find Andy, of course, at Andy Herman NFL. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can find the podcast on Twitter at PWSS podcast at Pax, what she said everywhere else. Yes. As Perry said, we are still going to call it Twitter. Um, thank you for listening. You can find the show, download, like, subscribe to it everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And as always, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.